0: Dr. Jack Rasmus, this is Alternative Visions. Okay, today uh, I want to talk about this uh, historic interview here between Tucker Carlson uh, a day or so ago and uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, Generated a lot of interest worldwide. uh, Generated some interest uh, among uh, U.S. uh, politicians who uh, threatened tucker carlson for holding the interview uh talk about uh, violation of the first amendment right journalists can't talk to certain people i mean there have been a lot of interviews with uh with potent here uh oliver stone and uh, many others uh, i guess because uh, we have a de facto proxy war going on uh, with russia it makes it different uh, but uh, Carlson kind of spilled uh, the beans and um, revealed the fact that you know the NSA was uh, uh, watching what he uh, what he wrote and said, and uh, they tried to discourage him from going. Anyway, uh, he did go to his credit, um, and uh, we get a view that uh, is quite different from uh, the mainstream media, which is. Uh, you know, CNN, MSNBC, which is largely uh, propaganda, uh, propaganda mostly by omission. You can't find out uh, what's going on <clears throat> over there if you listen to mainstream media, New York Times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, we finally got an alternative view, and it was very revealing what was going on, uh, you know, from the Russian point of view uh, in the causes of this, uh, this war over there. Which we should make no mistake—it's a NATO-Russian uh, war, uh, with NATO um, manipulating uh, the Ukrainians <clears throat> and fighting to the last Ukrainian. Uh, in any event, uh, it was a very interesting interview, and I, and I hope people were able to listen to it. Uh, if you haven't, uh, it, it's it's uh, pretty much available on X. Uh, Elon Musk agreed to allow it. Uh, X is maybe one of the last places uh, where you can get two sides of a story here. Since uh, at least since Musk took over, uh, I, I'm quite active on uh, on X, um, and you can follow what I have to say at drjackrasmus. <clears throat> and I've been commenting a lot on on the war, uh, the wars. Because uh, we're in three of them, and preparing for a fourth—Ukraine, uh, uh, the Red Sea, uh, with the Houthis—we're um, of course, uh, our ammunition is uh, being used, and our weapons being used uh, by Netanyahu in in Gaza to create genocide. Uh, and then, of course, we've been preparing for the big one with China here—that's going on. Um, anyway. Uh, You know, uh, the U.S. is uh, preparing for wars, uh, or in wars. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Usually we do one war at a time, Uh, but there are light and fires everywhere. They, meaning the neocons in uh, the U.S. government that are pretty much running the show as as Joe Biden kind of fades mentally from the scene. Uh, anyway, uh, that's another another uh, story, another show. Let's get back to the interview here. Also, if I have time at the end of this show, I want to talk about uh, uh, the Congressional Budget Office uh, just put out a report on uh, the U.S. total national debt, which, as you know, I've been saying is $34 trillion now. And uh, we're continuing to run annual deficits. Uh, the debt is just accumulation of annual deficits. And... Uh, Trillion dollar plus deficit, as far as the eye can see, and uh, what does the CBO uh, expect to forecast the next ten years? Well, our thirty-four trillion uh, deficit and national debt, thirty-four trillion, has got to run to fifty-four trillion within ten years. Anyway, we'll get back to that. Uh, let's get back to uh, the number one issue here, of the show, which is the interview. Okay, so. In the interview, the interview began, interestingly, with uh, a long history of Russia. Putin uh, explained the long history of Russia going all the way back to 1886, 862, when uh, the Novgorod, which is the city area in central Russia, uh, created its first state there. 8, 862. Uh, and, and then he just, he just kept going and um, explaining that history for the West. Uh, Tucker Carlson couldn't figure out why he was doing that at first <laughs> uh, because it was a long history. It took uh, I don't know 10, 15 minutes. Uh, but it was very revealing of what? Revealing that um, the Russians feel they have a long history and Ukraine was always part of that history. Uh, Ukraine, what we call Ukraine today, except for the far western part of Ukraine, uh, was always part of Russia. Um, and as we'll see, and as he said, uh, it wasn't until the 20th century that uh, a Ukrainian republic was established by guess who? Uh, by uh, the Soviets and Lenin. Anyway, we'll get to that. That's the sort of end of his historical, he, Putin's, Presentation, But anyway, uh, Putin explained how, you know, Kiev and Nova, Nov, Novgorod in the north and Kiev in the south were really united. They were part of uh, the same country there before uh, the 1000 millennia. And in uh, 988, um, it became Orthodox Christian, both of them. They had the same religion, Orthodox Christian. Uh, And then it was split. It got split by uh, the Mongols, what they call the Horde, Uh, you know, uh, uh, steppe plains uh, uh, invaders, you know, on horseback. Mongol invasion uh, split the south from Russia for a while. Um, But then it was reestablished after the Horde was defeated uh, by the Russians, so uh, and Moscow uh, was once again the capital. Moscow was in the Novgorod uh, region, right? Um, and then um, in the in the 1200s, uh, Polish and Lithuania, which were together in one state, um, invaded in Ukraine, and uh, around 1650. Um, There was an insurrection, because Poland had oppressed the Ukrainians. Uh, There was an insurrection, and um, a long period ensued. Uh, By 1686, in a peace treaty, uh, Catherine the Great reclaimed, Catherine the Great was a czarina of uh, Russia, uh, reclaimed uh, Ukraine. So you have this thing of, you know, Ukraine was part of Russia, according to Putin, and uh, then, you know, repeatedly, uh, uh, whether invaders from the east or from the west, uh, tried to break it up, but it always was reestablished as part of Russia. Right? Uh, in World War I, uh, the Austrians attempted to create the idea of a Ukraine. There was no idea that Ukraine was, was a separate state. Uh, until the idea of World War I. Um, and then, of course, Russia uh, was defeated in World War I by 1917 uh, by uh, you know, the central powers, which were Germany and uh, Austria. It was defeated, uh, and uh, uh, the Germans uh, occupied a, a big part of what is now Ukraine. Uh, then the civil war in Russia occurred, Uh, right after, uh, you know, the USSR was established. Uh, And uh, then, uh, you know, the the Soviets took back Ukraine. You reunited it once again, right? Uh, And there was the treaty in 1921. And uh, part of of, uh, Ukraine and part of Russia was given back to Poland and, So that area, the point I think Putin was making was that that area was always Russia, except for the far west. The far western part of Ukraine was uh, part of Poland, right? Uh, And that's an important point that uh, Putin made. And he's made it recently before uh, in in speeches saying that the far western part of Ukraine, around Lvov, was... uh, was Polish, and it was only after World War II, when the Soviet armies you know, swept over Eastern Europe, that in 1945, Stalin uh, gave the Western part of Ukraine to Ukraine, okay? Uh, that meant part of uh, not just Poland, but Romania and Hungary. They became part of Ukraine. Because part of the settlement after World War, World War II, was uh, Poland was given uh, a large part of Germany, Eastern Germany, the whole Silesia area, and uh, much of uh, of, uh, of East Prussia, uh, was given to Poland uh, by Stalin, and Stalin, of course, kept Eastern Poland. that the Soviets, uh, Stalin, had had taken in in 1939. Uh, But he gave them an equivalent, uh, a large plot of land there uh, in eastern Germany. And the Germans, uh, of course, big exodus, they left and the Poles took over. Uh, But Stalin took that that bit of Poland in the southeast that was in Lvov in that area and gave that to Ukraine. Now, y- Ukraine was created uh, by Lenin, and uh, the Ukraine was, uh, was defined by Lenin. It didn't include Crimea, though. In 1921, uh, the Soviets created all these uh, republics, these Soviet republics, and the USSR was part of a uh, federation. Of these republics okay uh, and Ukraine was made a republic uh, just like uh, there was a Russian Republic and uh, uh, other republics you know Baltic Republic's uh, you know Estonian Republic and Latvian Republic Lithuanian Republic uh, and then in you know out there in the Middle East there, uh, Kazakh Republic etc <clears throat> so Ukraine uh, was really created as a separate state um, by the Soviets themselves. And that's historical fact. That actually happened. But it never included Crimea, you see. Crimea was, quote, given to Ukraine, put under its jurisdiction uh, by uh, uh, Khrushchev in 1956. Uh, they added uh, Crimea to Ukraine. But Crimea was never uh, part of Ukraine. Neither was Odessa, um, and it was uh, the point he was making that uh, his he, Putin was historically this had always been Ukrainian Ukrainian land has always been part of Russia. Um, Putin in other speeches had talked about the the three great Rus peoples, uh, which were uh, you know Russian and Ukrainian. Uh, and uh, belarusian or what were called White Russian. These are the three great uh, Russian um, peoples, and they should be reunited again uh, under one Russian uh, state, as it had been for so much of, of the history uh, in that area. They were all Slavic. They are all Orthodox uh, Christians. The culture is the same. The language is virtually the same. Uh, uh, traditions are the same. Uh, In any event, uh, uh, that's what he had said before, and he kind of reiterated this. So this long historical presentation by Putin was really uh, to create uh, the understanding that Ukraine had always been part of Russia, except for that far western point. And by the way, if I can digress again, uh, in previous speeches... Uh, recently, uh, Putin has, has kind of uh, dangled uh, the idea uh, publicly that uh, those western, far western parts of Ukraine being part, you know, originally of Poland and Romania and so forth until Stalin took him, put him in Ukraine. Uh, you know, the, he and the Russians uh, don't have, really have any interest in that. Uh, They want to unite the Russian-speaking, Slavic-speaking peoples. And uh, it seems like uh, he's saying they're not really part of this great uh, Rus' uh, nation of these three peoples. And that if they want to go, they can go back to where they were. I mean, that was interesting, kind of splitting (laughs) the West, uh, Poland, and so forth. Because Poland wants them back, no doubt about it. So does Romania. By the way, Moldova uh, was part of Romania and that was uh, created separately by Stalin as a buffer uh, state uh, between uh, Ukraine and Romania uh, so uh, uh, very interesting point that he kind of reiterated in this in this speech in this historical part uh, that uh, that's not really Russia and uh, you know if you West really want them you know I mean, we can talk about that uh, so we'll see where that goes uh, by the way Poland seems to be pulling away from aid uh, to Ukraine uh, so uh, you know that may have stoked some fires there among those East European NATO nations uh, uh, to uh, a- agree if there were any security agreement across uh, Europe which doesn't look likely but if there were you know you know the Russians uh, wouldn't be uh, uh, too too upset about negotiating away uh, that Western Ukraine letting it go back to those other countries where historically there was a, you know, a long history of the Western Ukraine being part of those countries, just as historically the rest of Ukraine was always part of Russia. Anyway, that was the historic point uh, that he appeared, Putin appeared uh, to be making, right? Uh, and then Uh, Carlson asked him, why didn't you just take Ukraine back 22 years ago, right? And uh, Putin interrupted him and says, I'm coming to that, I'm coming to that, right? (laughs) Okay, so we have this long history, and there was a reason for him, Putin, going through all this uh, explanation uh, to make the point that I've just said that... uh, uh, Western Western Ukraine uh, was always part of Poland but the rest of uh, Ukraine was always part of Russia and Ukraine is not a separate state really it was created by Lenin uh, and uh, Crimea was never even part of it until 1956 right uh, so anyway uh, he then asks uh, uh, he meaning uh, Carlson right then asked uh, about uh, what happened in 1991. And in other words, that was the year when uh, the USSR imploded, right? Uh, And uh, pretty much uh, Putin said, well, look, you know, it imploded because Russian leaders agreed to end uh, the USSR, right? And they thought, we thought, Russia thought that they would then get an invitation invitation from the West, right, uh, to join Europe, right? And there would be a Europe-wide security system, right? And they were told, he said the Russians were told, uh, that NATO would not expand. And they were told by the Germans and others that uh, that would be the case. There would be no expansion, right? Uh, so Carlson asked them, asks him, he says, well, what went wrong, Right? Uh, he said, well, we expected uh, uh, to be welcomed, uh, but Putin said, quote, you tricked us. And nine waves of expansion, NATO expansion, uh, followed. And then Putin says, uh, uh, quote, we are bourgeois now. <laughs> In other words, well, you know, this is not common is why, why did you push east? You know, we wanted to join you. We were bourgeois. We're capitalists. We're not uh, uh, communist anymore uh, and he said uh, Boris Yeltsin who was the president in 1992 of Russia when uh, Russian Federation when the USSR collapsed right? Yeltsin said uh, let us in right uh, but then uh, what the US did was to say no uh, and then it went and attacked Serbia uh, you know it, it broke up uh, NATO played this role found this new role Breaking up uh, Yugoslavia, uh, which of course it did, right? Um, And uh, Putin called that uh, the USA let the genie out of the bottle. "Quote." Well, that was kind of like he said, uh, "Look, this is this is NATO's new role that it saw itself, you know, to push and expand." Uh, And of course, the first act was to break up Yugoslavia. And to bring those countries, except for Serbia, uh, into, I think Bosnia Herzegovina is, is not part of uh, NATO as well, right? And then he explained, he he described, he Putin described uh, uh, when he was president, first president in two thousand, right? He still tried to restore relations between uh, uh, Russia and and uh, Europe and the U.S. And he described he, a meeting he had with Bill Clinton. And uh, he uh, he explained, Putin explained that, that uh, do you think Russia could join NATO? So in 2000, it was interested in joining NATO, right? And he said that Clinton told him, possibly. I'll get back to you and let you know. This is at some meeting between the two of them. Um, but later at the dinner, uh, Clinton said, no, no, Russia can't join uh, NATO. In other words, Clinton thought it was a possibly good idea, but then he went and talked with somebody and somebody told him no. Uh, and he came back and carried the message. <laughs> Makes you wonder, you know, how uh, how independent Clinton was, especially uh, uh, after 1998 or 9, I think, when he got caught with his zipper open, right? And they almost, impe- well, they impeached him, but they couldn't convict him. Um, that, uh, you know, he Clinton was pretty much uh, whatever uh, anyone wanted, he would agree to it, uh, especially the neocons. You see, the neocons in the U.S. got their their toehold uh, into U.S. government and foreign policy during Clinton. Clinton let, let them in. And then, of course, they solidified that once Bush Jr. Uh, got in with Cheney and Wolfowitz and all those guys, right? Uh, the point was, uh, you know, there was t- Russia was interested in joining NATO as part of a Europe-wide uh, security agreement that is at the heart of a, what a lot of Russia is doing, particularly in Ukraine. Uh, they feel their security is, is really being threatened by this NATO march east, right? Um, of course, the March East, these five waves of NATO uh, that Putin refers to began in 1999. That was the first wave. I think Poland uh, was in that wave. And then uh, uh, others were added, other countries, the Baltics and uh, during Bush and uh, the uh, uh, southern, southern Romania, Bulgaria, those were added uh, to, to, uh, to NATO, right? Uh, And then uh, Carlson asked him, would you have joined NATO if Clinton had said yes? Uh, And then Putin sort of danced around that by saying, uh, no means no. In other words, without saying yes, him saying yes or no, he said that uh, NATO said no. So it's really not a a question he would say, right? Uh, And then Carlson asked him, well, why do you think the West refused Russia? Right, um, He said, well, we just weren't welcome, Putin said, right? Uh, if the U.S. and all of NATO, uh, if the U.S. Uh, pressures NATO, quote, NATO obediently votes. In other words, it's the U.S. that's running NATO. Hmm? Uh, and Putin then added that he tried to build relations again over Iraq, right? Uh, but the U.S., um, supported terrorist groups in the Caucasus. That was the Chechen war, right? Uh, and he he described, he, Putin described the meeting he had with George Bush uh, about uh, the U.S., meaning the CIA, <clears throat> supporting uh, the Chechens, uh, which, which really was a religious war, you know. It was um, some evidence that the The Al-Qaeda and and, uh, Wahhabis and so forth uh, in uh, Saudi Arabia were funding that war uh, in Chechnya. Uh, And, of course, the Chechens lost that war, uh, and now they are a big military supporter of uh, Putin. Uh, And Putin describes then a meeting he had with George Bush Jr. And... uh, he described how the he explained how the CIA was behind this in in Chechnya in Caucasus, you know, um, and he gave uh, Bush proof, and he said, uh, "quote That uh, Bush said, quote, Well, I'm going to kick their ass.' <laughs> in other words, he was going to going to look into this with the CIA, and he was going to uh, stop it, you know." the implication, but there was no reply. Bush never got back to him, and of course, they never did. Uh, so, here's two, two meetings, you know, around 2000, maybe 2002, three, whatever, with Bush, uh, where there's some discussion uh, about the role of the CIA, uh, and it sounds like somebody in the deep state, <laughs> uh, when the president seemed to lean against the deep state uh, you know the bureaucracy, <clears throat> military-industrial complex, whatever. Uh, what they want, uh, well, then the presidents reverse their position, and that's what the Russians think. You know, the Russians think that the presidents don't have that much power in the U.S. That uh, uh, whenever they try to do something, uh, they are their their chain gets yanked, and uh, somebody who really runs the government uh, reverses them. Uh, and that's the way the Russians see uh, the U.S. right now, <clears throat> and have probably for quite some time. Uh, so Carlson did ask him, well, is the CIA, CIA uh, trying to overturn Russia? Uh, and Putin answered, in the Caucasus, yes. Clearly, he didn't want to admit uh, even more. Uh, and he adds, uh, you know, another example is the the anti-missile system that Putin proposed uh, that the U.S. and Europe and uh, Russia all agree to a joint system. Uh, And he said, well, the U.S. uh, said no, because uh, it was all about uh, blocking Iran, which was nonsense, of course. Uh, And he said that Bush Sr. and and Gates, who was the head of... uh, uh, defense, I think Bill Gates. No, not Bill Gates. I forget the guy's name. But his last name was Gates, right? Uh, agreed, agreed to Putin's proposal that let's have a joint anti-ballistic system, anti-missile system here as part of a you know agreement not to have a runaway uh, arms race and and in, uh, in missiles. Uh, and they agreed uh, with him, uh, but then they came back and said no. So once again, you know, we have these three, Putin's describing these three events where the Russians are trying to uh, agree with the U.S. and come to some mutual uh, uh, agreement on security of sorts, Uh, you know, with Bill Clinton, with George Bush Jr. and then with Gates and George Bush Sr. and uh, they are rebuffed, right, right? And in fact, uh, Carlson said, well, then uh, U.S. presidents agree, then reverse themselves? And um, Putin says, yes, yes. And then Putin said, uh, you know, if they want to do that, uh, so okay. You know, if they don't want to have agreements here here on security, you know, will we told them. And what we've done is to create even more advanced uh, weapon system like uh Uh, hypersonic missiles which the russians have and the u.s don't have which are almost impossible to defend against with the anti-ballistic missiles because they travel at uh, mach 12 most missiles cruise missiles aren't supersonic and even ballistic missiles i think uh, travel at uh, mach 3 4 whatever and can be shot down but uh um Hypersonic missiles travel at Mach 12, 14. I mean, this is like 15,000 miles an hour, I think. I'm not sure. But, uh, you you know, too fast. You can't target them, right? Um, And then he, Putin described what happened in 2008 at at, at the NATO Bucharest meeting, right? Where the U.S. declares... uh, that NATO is going to move even further east, and Georgia, which was a former Soviet republic uh, that went independent in '91, <clears throat> Georgia and Ukraine would be invited to join NATO. Okay, and he said Germany and France at first opposed this, but then they came in line again, suggesting that you know whatever the U.S. wants, uh, Germany, France, and NATO eventually agreed to, even if initially they're for it, right? Uh, and he says in 2008, that's that's when the U.S. started, and NATO really started planning uh, to go after <clears throat> Ukraine, and to put Ukraine in NATO. It's also the year, by the way, that uh, uh, Georgian uh, politicians and in government uh, invaded the uh, Uh, Russia, uh, Ossetia was was the province in Russia, starting the war, Ossetian War, just as they uh, provoked uh, the war in in Chechnya. Uh, But the the Russian army defeated them easily and actually took some of Georgia, uh, regions of Georgia into Russia. Okay, so the point is in Chechnya and Russia... And Georgia, uh, the West, the US, the CIA, always stoking um, uh, instability and attempts uh, to uh, bring those countries uh, or regions, you know, into uh, the West, the fold of the West. So the US and CIA has always been attacking Russia, as as the Russians see it. And uh, the big plum was, of course, Ukraine. Ukraine. and that's in 2008 after the Bucharest Agreement uh, and the war in Georgia, and the statement that Georgia and Ukraine would be um, invited to join uh, NATO. Uh, That's when the thing uh, really began to heat up qualitatively, right? Uh, And then he describes at length uh, through 2014 and the coup, and the coup you see uh uh eastern um, eastern part east of the dnieper river there which kind of splits ukraine down the middle uh w- was always russian and heavily russian still to this day russian speaking language and so forth uh, the west uh, uh western part of ukraine there was was uh, not uh, historically orthodox christian it was catholic uh and uh what's going on of course now is uh, the Ukraine the regime there and Zelensky has banned uh, orthodox russian and uh, arrested orthodox russians which reflects uh, you know the nazi proud heavily nazi area of west ukraine uh, uh, has always been um, to some extent uh, anti-orthodox cuz they're pro pro catholic pro christian okay uh, back to the coup of 2014, all right? <clears throat> uh, in 2008, the doors were open to NATO in Ukraine, right? And in 2014, there was the, the coup. Um, with the backing of CIA, he says, Putin says, right? Uh, and he says uh, they achieved, they, NATO, achieved their goal of... Uh, taking over Ukraine, but it was a big mistake, he says, right? He said uh, um, CIA did its job, quote, the coup, right? Uh, But he said uh, it could have all been done legally. Putin says that. In other words, why did you do a coup? Uh, You know, uh, you could have won the election. In fact, the election was so close, and uh, even though... It appeared, that election, which was never finalized in 2013, it appeared that uh, the pro-Western candidate, uh, I'm not sure it was Yanukovych or Vyshenko, I forget the name, um, actually may have won. It was disputed. You see, it was so close, it was disputed. The eastern part of Ukraine always voted for the pro-Russian candidate. The western part of Ukraine voted for the pro-let's-join-Europe, EU. Uh, candidate uh, but it appears uh, that there were uh, uh, it was so close that it was agreed uh, by, by the participants in, in the, like the candidates to hold a third runoff which isn't called for he said in, in the Ukrainian uh, constitution at the time uh, and you know they may have been able to win clearly in the third election but they didn't want to wait. Ah, uh, Victoria Newlin, and he refers to her indirectly, uh, but he did say uh, she she bragged the uh, five spent U.S. CIA spent five billion dollars in funding the street thugs, the neo Nazis, uh, to create the coup uh, in 2014, which is that exactly what happened. In other words, it looked like uh, they might have been they uh, the pro Western faction there. In Ukraine, might have been able to achieve this all legally, uh, but they didn't want to wait, uh, and they, uh, because these these elections had been seesawing since 2005. You see, in in Ukraine, 2010, you know, bare uh, majority for the pro-Russian, bare majority for the pro-pro-EU, and back and forth, uh, reflecting the fact that the country has always been split politically, but the pro-Russian candidate. Uh, wanted to play both sides. In other words, wanted to have continuing economic relations with Russia and uh, begin economic relations and greater integration with Western Europe. He wanted to do both. But that wasn't good enough uh, for those who led the coup. Uh, They wanted to cut Ukraine off from Russia and pull the whole thing uh, just into the West. Uh, and that was, of course, the CIA, Victoria, Newland uh, plan there. Uh, so he says it could have been done all legally, right? Um, and uh, he said, Putin said, uh, they simply, quote, they simply let us by the nose. Uh, and then came the event of the Minsk Agreement. You know, when that happened, uh, of course, historically, uh, Russia... Solidified its control of Crimea, took Crimea away from what Khrushchev in 1956 had given it to Ukraine, uh, and they're all Russian-speaking people down there. Uh, they had a, a referendum, and I think 95% voted to um, go with Ru- go back to Russia, whatever. All right, uh, <clears throat> and then there was, uh, you know, a kind of a war started in 2014 after the coup. Uh, And then they had an agreement, they meaning uh, Russia and uh, uh, the Ukrainian coup government, uh, and the West, NATO, they had an agreement uh, signed at Minsk, which is the city in uh, Belarus, uh, the Minsk agreement, in which, according to the Minsk agreement, that the eastern provinces uh, would remain part of ukraine but would have this kind of in, independence right but it'd be part of ukraine right uh, but he but he said uh, putin said uh, you know the new regime wanted to uh, resolve this issue militarily right and as he said the ukraine started a war in 2014 against its breakaway provinces uh but we in 22 2022 tried to stop it so he's describing the special military operation as an attempt to uh, end the war that began in 2014. Right? Um, and then there was a series of questions by Carlson uh, about Nazification in the government. And uh, basically, uh, uh, Putin makes it clear uh, that the goal now is to denazify the government, the Ukraine government, right? Uh, and uh, he described how when the SMO uh, began in February 2022, uh, the Russians uh, uh, surrounded Ukraine. In other words, they, quote, invaded on a whole number of fronts, 1,500 miles uh, at least. Uh, they only had 190,000 troops, by the way, which is clearly no way 190,000 troops could, quote, conquer Ukraine or take uh, Kiev, the city. It was all intended to get the Kiev and the Zelensky government uh, back to the bargaining table, right, to discuss it, which they did. And this meeting was held in Istanbul. uh, And they had an agreement. And it was signed by uh, the Ukrainian um, uh, negotiator. I forget his name. Uh, And as part of that agreement, those Donbass provinces would remain in Ukraine. And quid pro quo, the Ukrainians would not join NATO. You see, that was the whole thing. Give these people in these provinces uh, some degree of autonomy, but they would still be part of Ukraine. And the Ukrainians agreed to it. But as he described it, and we all know, Uh, Once that tentative agreement had been reached and even initially signed, uh, Boris Johnson on behalf of uh, UK, uh, US and NATO uh, flies in uh, quickly into Kiev and he tells uh, Zelensky, no, you got to throw that away. Uh, We can defeat Russia. We will give you all the arms you need and you don't have to agree to this uh, compromise with Russia. Uh, And that's exactly what what happened, right? Uh, But back to the Nazification, you know, the Russian position now is, uh, uh, you know, the Nazis are deeply entrenched in parliament and in the government and in the armed forces in Ukraine. And and that's got to go if there's any settlement. That's got to go. And there's got to be an absolute agreement. No NATO. No NATO and a military neutralization of Ukraine and a purge. Of uh, the neo Nazis, those are Russia's fundamental uh, demands now, because there won't be an agreement like uh, like Istanbul. Ukraine had its chance, uh, but now those provinces have been legally annexed uh, into Russia, and the only question is, uh, will there be more provinces now in any any settlement? Right, <clears throat> but uh, it sounds like uh, you know Putin and, and the Russians are willing to let the a kind of a rump Ukraine exists, and if Poland and uh, Hungary, Romania want a piece of it, they can have it. Right? Uh, and uh, the discussion of the peace peace talks uh, were uh, continued at, at some length, right? Uh, but it was clear, you know, the Russians pulled back. He said, "We pull back from Ukraine. We we never attempt to really occupy Kiev." We pulled back from Kiev here to show good faith. We were asked to do that during the Istanbul uh, negotiations, uh, which were occurring in March, April of 2022. Uh, and uh, then Ukraine took advantage of that and pretty much attacked as Russia was had withdrawn, uh, starting to withdraw from around Kiev in the north, and they attacked and uh, they rolled the Russians back to the Donbass. Uh, and the Russians then solidified their control, uh, and then, of course, the real war was on, right? Right. And he called this uh, uh, a uh, mistake of historic proportions. Mistake of historic proportions. Uh, then there was a discussion about uh, Nord Stream, and Carlson asked him, "Who blew up Nord Stream?" Right? And uh, to quote uh, Putin, uh, quote, the CIA has no alibi, right? Look at those who had an interest and the capability of doing it, right? Um, The beneficiaries are American institutions. In other words, referring to uh, American corporations here, right? Uh, And uh, Germans uh, and the French had initially uh, uh, gone along uh, with Minsk, and but then, uh, as he said uh, last year, they admitted, Merkel, Angela Merkel and uh, Francois Hollande, who were part of the Minsk agreement, uh, admitted that Minsk was only to buy time to build up uh, the Ukrainian army. Uh, so, time and time again, uh, Ukraine, uh, the, the NATO European allies uh, uh, seem to be obedient in doing whatever. Uh, eventually the U.S. wants, right, and he was asked, uh, uh, he, uh, Carlson asked him, you know, uh, why was, why is Germany silent when its uh, Nord Stream was was blown up, and Putin answered, uh, the German leaders uh, uh, are driven by interests to collaborate with the West rather than the interests of the German people, right. And he he said, there's other pipelines that still exist, Putin said, "Uh, but you guys closed them down. No, we're willing to open them up again whenever you want. And then an important discussion uh, got to the role of the sanctions, which means the role of the U.S. dollar, right? Uh, Pretty clearly, as we see now and everyone's writing about, the sanctions uh, have accelerated this trend of... uh, Of China, Russia, the BRICS, you know, those five BRICS, which is an acronym for uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa, joined in a kind of economic federation Uh, that's existed for some time. uh, But now it's expanding rapidly and five um, uh, oil producing Middle East countries have joined and uh, Putin is now the chair of the BRICS and their next meeting is at the uh, end of this year and 34 other countries have petitioned to join uh, the BRICS. And what this all means uh, is that uh, the role of the dollar is, uh, has been greatly undermined by the sanctions and the war policies of the Biden administration uh, because the BRICS uh, will come up with their own currency solution uh, and their own IMF-like institution and their own um, international payment system uh, other than the SWIFT system, which is the U.S. system. Uh, and uh, in other words, they're bifurcating. The, the, they, are, they are responding to the, this, these policies of Biden administration, which are bifurcating the global economy. <clears throat> and if the trading in, in oil and in commodities, 80% of which was always in dollars before the war, if that trading uh, in dollars goes away, and people, other countries, uh, are trading now in uh, Chinese yuan or some other currency or bilateral or something, not using the dollar, well then the dollar will collapse. And it is uh, fading, the dollar is fading. And um, as uh, Putin says, it, it will go away, right? right? And he said, uh, U.S. leaders are making a big mistake by weaponizing the dollar. That's what sanctions are, weaponizing the dollar, right? Big mistake, and he's absolutely right. I've been writing about that and will continue, uh, that the dollar, which is the the linchpin of the U.S. global economic empire, and Putin admitted that too, um, if that uh, uh, is no longer playing that role, well, then uh, they are, they, the Americans, are undermining their own empire themselves, right? And he says again, it was a grave mistake weaponizing the dollar. And he pointed out that... Um, uh, before the war, eighty percent of Russian trade was in uh, in dollars or euros, right? And only three percent of it in Chinese yuan, right? Uh, currently, only thirteen percent of Russian trade now is in dollars. Uh, about forty percent is in China yuan, thirty percent in rubles, and I guess the rest is just bilateral, right? And he points out, Putin, that the U.S. thought sanctions would make us collapse, but it's only made our economy stronger. And that's true, uh, using PPP, uh, purchasing power parity, uh, analysis, which kind of uh, creates a common uh, price, price system, uh, Russia is now the fifth largest uh, e- economy in the world. And that uh, China is even bigger than the U.S., right? And he points to China, uh, uh, China Russian trade, now well over $200 billion a year. Uh, and per China, it's even $240 billion. And how the BRICS are developing. Uh, the world is developing economically, and the U.S. can't stop that. And it has been even before the war. And that the, the G7 countries uh, are reflective of 47% of global GDP. Uh, before in 1992, they were 47%, and the BRICS only 16%. But 2022, uh, they are about 30% each of global uh, GDP. So the BRICS uh, economically are as large, powerful, whatever economically as, uh, as the G7, which is the US and Europe and Japan, right? Um, <clears throat> but Tools of the, U- the US uses don't work was the question by Carlson and uh, of course that's uh, what Putin's saying it's it's not working you know <clears throat> and he was asked then uh, who make by by Carlson, who makes the decisions in the US and uh, Putin says I don't know uh, it's complex the US is a complex political thing it's conservative but it's changing fast it has a kind of two-stage electoral system um, and then he says something like uh, Putin does. Uh, well, it's economic. Its problems are perhaps due to overproduction. You know. <laughs> well, that's interesting. <clears throat> Although he admitted it's growing at 2.5%. But it's changing very fast. In other words, uh, the short-term uh, recovery of uh, the U.S. here after COVID is not really reflective of where long-term it's, it's going. like. Uh, so, after that, uh, there was some talk about, uh, can you negotiate with Zelensky? Uh, and But, you know, it's clear, he says, that Zelensky has made it illegal to negotiate, right? And uh, he's not the head of state. Uh, but, you know, we'll negotiate with him, uh, but he doesn't want to. Right? He made it clear after Istanbul he doesn't want to. And Russia has not refused negotiation. Uh, Let him, Zelensky, cancel his own degree that it's illegal to negotiate, right? Um, He says he's just arrogant. And the West is arrogant. It thought Russia could be defeated on the battlefield, which it cannot, it will not. Uh, It's existential for them, right? Uh, So, you know, It was a long, long discussion here, and we're running out of time uh, to discuss the rest of it. I will be writing a piece uh, and posting it on my blog, jackrasmus.com, over the weekend about the interview. And uh, in addition, I will be uh, uh, posting, uh, making some short posts um, about the most important uh, salient uh, points made in the interview on my uh, ex-account. at DR Jack Rasmus, so you can follow me there if you want and we'll follow up on this. <clears throat> uh, but pretty much he says uh, Russia's not refusing to talk, right? Uh, Ukraine is the satellite of the US. It's given $72 billion a year <clears throat> to prop it up in the last two years. Uh, of course they're having some trouble now, <laughs> but the the you know the requirement to keep keep Ukraine afloat economically military at $72 billion a year, as he points out, right? <clears throat> um, and he goes back again, Putin, to uh, 1991, promised not to expand. Uh, after 2008, uh, uh, mil- U.S. military bases were established in, in Ukraine, the 2014 coup, right? Um, but he says, you know, we're still open to negotiations, but uh, uh, the U.S., and Ukraine are going to have to initiate that. He is not going to initiate that, right? They made the mistake, um, obviously, saying it would be a show of weakness on our part. We're not going to do it if we ask for negotiations. Uh, but they have to ask for negotiations. Uh, but Russia is, uh, uh, you know, ready to negotiate with whomever. Um, throws the ball back in their court. Uh, but as uh, Carlson, after uh, the interview, uh, gave a statement on the Internet, uh, he kind of summed up some of it. He says, um, uh, Putin and Russians feel very wounded uh, by uh, the rejection of the of the West and NATO. Um, uh, they felt they were uh, going to be invited to join Europe after 1991. They weren't. They were rejected. Uh, they tried in a whole number of ways uh, with uh, Uh, Clinton and Bush and others uh, to create, again, some sort of relationship. Uh, But the presidents, uh, who seemed initially interested, uh, uh, turned around and reversed themselves, right? Um, And he said that, uh, Carlson said, this whole idea of uh, now being stoked in propaganda in the media in the West uh, that Russia is going to not stop at Ukraine and was going to uh, continue into NATO. He says that's nonsense. <clears throat> uh, Russia is not uh, uh, capable of, of a war with NATO and doesn't want one anyway. Anyway, that's the essence of the uh, interview and uh, go to my blog, JackRasmus.com or go to the on uh, X Earth summary of